Almighty and most gracious and, and faithful Lord, we bless you and we thank you for your presence with us and for all of your promises, all of which are true in Jesus Christ. Thank you for how you are more eager to minister in our lives often than, than we are to have your ministry working. And so we would pray that you would be powerfully present even in these moments now as we, uh, as we hear from you, as we hear from your holy word. Would you, O Holy Spirit, work mightily in our hearts? Would you humble us? Would you prepare us for, for works of service? Would you use this as uh, a time of, of great growth in our faith in our, in our conformity to, to the Son, our Lord Jesus. Thank you for, um, for hearing our prayers and for helping me as I seek to present your word this morning. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so let me read our passage. It's really the first verse of these two verses. Proverbs 28, verses 13 and 14. It says this, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So this is really a topical message about repentance, and I want to give credit to Stu Batstone. He's um, a counselor who works with Surge, which is a missions organization that used to be called World Harvest Missions, and um, he mentored me as as he um, counseled me for for a while, um, probably seven or eight years back, and I really appreciated his insights and his materials. So I borrowed a fair bit from him um, in the preparation of of this message. So I have some really good news for you this morning. I have some really good news for you, and that is that God wants us to be happy. But it gets even better. God wants us to be happy even more than we want us to be happy. Why? Well, because He treasures us. He loves us, if you can believe it, even more than we do. And He created us to be happy and whole. So God desires for us to be happy. And I have another piece of good news for you. And that is that God knows way better than we do. In fact, he knows exactly how we can be happy. He knows how we can be happy, happy and whole. And the answer, believe it or not, here's the harder part. The answer is to be sad first. Yes, I'm, I'm serious. I meant that. It, it's to be sad first. In fact, before we get to enjoy our exceeding happiness, that's what blessed means, that's what this psalm or this proverb is about, blessed in Psalm 32 as well. But before we get that blessedness, that exceeding happiness, we have to learn repentance first. And repenting is sad, it's hard, it's humbling. But this is the same sad first and then joy pattern experienced by our Lord Jesus. Though his sadness had nothing to do with repentance, still he had to first live through the humility of leaving behind the glories of heaven and entering into this broken and hard and harsh world and growing up in a poor family and then being persecuted and, and mocked and hounded and even 
put to death before, all of this before he was exalted into his eternal happiness where he now rules and reigns at God's right hand. And we, the servants, aren't greater than the master. We have to follow. We have to pass through the same pattern of sadness first and then joy. And we have to experience that really day by day as long as the plague, the illness of sin stays with us. And so here it is again, Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Or we could paraphrase that. Whoever refuses to repent, that's really what concealing your transgressions is, right? Whoever refuses to repent will not prosper. He will not be happy, but whoever repents of his sins, whoever confesses and forsakes them, finds mercy, is happy. So now, you've probably already figured this out in your mind. I'm not talking this morning primarily about what happens when we first turn to Christ, when we first repent and believe. That is repentance, and that is all important. But this morning, I want to focus primarily on the ongoing repentance that God calls us to throughout our Christian lives. The command to repent is not a one-time thing. It includes a life of repentance. This continual lifelong activity that's part and parcel, part and parcel with our spiritual growth. It's daily repentance that I want to focus on this morning. J.I. Packer, you may have read uh, a book or two by him, a great theologian, author, seminary professor while he lived. Uh, he wrote this. He said, while God's acceptance of each Christian believer is perfect from the start, our repentance always needs to be extended further as long as we are in this world. Our repentance always needs to continue. The great German reformer Martin Luther, in the first of his 95 theses, wrote, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. That the entire life of believers should be repentance. All right, then, with, with all that said, what then is repentance? Well, we've already kind of heard a definition from Scripture from Proverbs 28. It's to confess and forsake sin. Here's another definition, Ezekiel 18.20, which says very simply, repent and, or in other words, repent and turn from all your transgressions. Turn from all your transgressions. Uh, we can find an expansion of that in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, which says, or which teaches us that repentance happens when God's people humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. When they humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. So repentance is basically a turning around. It's a U-turn away from sin and sinful ways and to God. And, and this is the key. It's not just a turning in our actions. It's also a turning in our attitudes, in our hearts. This involves, as we just saw from Second Chronicles, humility. Humility is a, is a huge heart issue. So it involves a readjusting of our heart and its motives 
basically a change of attitude towards sin. Not just a change of actions on the surface level, but a change of our attitude towards sin. So what kind of change? From, oh, eh, not a big deal. Or, eh, doesn't really matter. Or maybe even, I had a right to do this. To, oh, it breaks my heart. And I, I hate doing this. And so therefore, I want to figure out why I'm doing this. And, and by God's grace with His help to change the very attitude that led me to do this. And, and I hate doing this, not mainly for all the bad consequences it brings upon me, but because it dishonors my God. And it reveals a heart that's neither holy nor committed to God. So then repentance is something deep. It's a turning around from sins and from the heart attitudes that lead to sin to a deeper faithfulness and fellowship with God. So watch this. It's never simply apologizing. It's never, in fact, merely vowing to do better. It's never punishing ourselves. It's never simply making promises to God and others. It's not even crying for a while to prove how sad we are about what we did. It's never proving that for the moment at least, we are doing it better. We're doing the right thing now. Do you see that none of these things deal with the heart? They're all sort of surface level things. Instead, repentance is a working to change the environment or the condition of our hearts that lead us to sin. And so it's always a softening of the heart toward God and toward others. It's always a humbling of ourselves. It's always an admitting the problem, and get this, and admitting that the problem is me. It's my heart. It's always in agreeing with God, not just about our actions, but also about our hearts. It's always a humble return to God and to His ways, a drawing closer to Him. It's always a becoming more like Christ. And then it always leads us to being closer to God and to being more delighted and satisfied in Him. That's what true repentance is. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that repentance is an action in which a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and an understanding of the mercy of God in Christ. See, that's the motivation. It's, there's mercy here. With a true sense of his sin and an understanding of the mercy of God in Christ, does with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Repentance is rich with blessings for us, one of which is that it protects our souls. Listen to this scripture, Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. It says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. In verse 13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, and here's the most important part, 
so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another, even yourself, every day, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Repentance is also so rich and important because it is a key way that we grow to become more like Christ and to have deeper fellowship with God. But as I mentioned at the beginning, repentance hurts a lot. And not just physically, but in the heart, right? It hurts emotionally. And this is why it's so difficult. Why does it hurt so much? Because it involves admitting that I am wrong. Not just that my action was wrong, but more deeply that I am wrong. And what do I mean by that? Well, we sin because something in our hearts is wrong. There's always this idolatry of self, this worship of self, this putting me first before God. It's really hard to admit that even to ourselves because we like to feel pretty good about ourselves. Not that deep inside of our hearts we're, we're down there bowing down to and worshiping ourselves instead of God. It's hard to accept and to admit. And yet, Repentance is good. As one author puts it, it weakens our need or our desire to do anything contrary to God's heart. It weakens our need to do anything contrary to God's heart because it breaks down those idols, right? Put differently, it removes the barriers to joyful intimacy with Christ. So then how do we grow in the practice of repenting? I want to be really practical with the rest of our time So I want to present three main practices for you this morning. Three main practices for growing in our daily repenting. So we need to start by, number one, understanding sin. So first of all, we need to understand sin. And first, within this category or practice of understanding sin, we need to understand how deceitful sin is. How deceitful it is. I had good reason to yell at my brother or sister or to raise my voice at my mom or my dad or or my spouse or my child. How often do we talk like this to ourselves? How often do we feel just in doing wrong because they did us wrong first? Or because we just think, I'm simply practicing righteous indignation. I mean, it would be wrong for me not to respond with this indignation because that was so bad what they did. But if we honestly ask ourselves, does God agree with me with, about all this, what I'm saying to myself? Is he saying, sure, yeah, that was appropriate. It wasn't sinful in any way. What's the answer? Friends, we need to recognize that we trick ourselves very easily about sin. Our hearts are quite deceitful. We can say, no, there's no need to repent here. I don't even need to feel bad. I didn't do anything wrong. We want to feel like we didn't do anything wrong because either we want to be able to keep doing that thing because we're so in love with it, it's it's got its tentacles so wrapped around our hearts, or simply because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. We don't want that painful hurt emotionally. Here's another saying. Well, everyone else is doing it. Or how about this one? It isn't hurting anyone. But then the question always is, yeah, well, who made you God? 
Who made it so that you get to decide what is sin and what is not? Oh, it's just a little anger. Just a slight lack of thankfulness. Just a tad of anxiety or frustration. Or just a touch of discontentment. Or, well, it wasn't nearly as prideful as what that person did. Or, no, I wasn't really being selfish. I was doing it to help them out. Or, how could anyone not be impatient in this situation? I'm not an angel. Or, of course I'm going to be irritable or angry or envious. Because look, look at the circumstances. This is how we talk to ourselves. But again, we need to ask ourselves, who made you God? We should also ask ourselves, and how do my actions or reactions truly affect the people around me? What kind of, what's the wake? What kind of vibes am I giving off? What kind of effects am I having on those around me? Again, exhort one another, including ourselves, every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you, that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.13. So first for repenting daily is understand how deceitful sin is. Realize how quick we are to try to justify ourselves and to say that there's not really anything here that needs repenting of. Don't believe Satan's lie that it's really no big deal. And then second, a second thing about understanding sin is that we need to understand that for every obvious sin or every surface sin, and I've already been touching on this, there's pretty much always a more sinister, a more deeply rooted sin that's actually the most important thing that needs to be dealt with, much more so than the surface level sin. If we just deal with the obvious sin, then the root won't go anywhere and that surface sin will come back and really fast. It'd be like just pulling up the top part of a weed with a massive root system and just forgetting all about the root part, just plucking off the top and then a week later, it's right there again. So the second key about our sin is to ask yourself, what was going on in my heart that caused me to sin like that? Here's an example. You were irritated with your sister or your spouse and you raised your voice or you said something really mean or sarcastic. Yes, that was a sin. But why did you commit that sin in the first place? Why were you irritated? Wasn't it usually because of selfishness or pride or both? Because you felt at that moment that you should have been respected more or given more space or more grace or whatever it was that in your heart you were demanding of that person and they didn't give it to you. They refused to give you that thing you were idolizing and so you pay them back now. We've got to deal with the root. Out of the overflow of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, said our Lord Jesus Christ. So stop and analyze your motives when you sin. Why did you just do that? And so that was strategy number one. Understand sin. Understand it. Now a practice or a strategy Number two, a second way to grow in our practice of repenting is to be humbled. And this might be the most important one. Be humble before God, especially by your sin. 
And this involves letting your sin break your heart so that you do truly grieve over it. It involves letting it break your heart, which is painful, which is part of dying to yourself. If we're going to truly repent, our sin has to begin to really grieve us. It has to hurt us that we're rebelling, really, when we, when we sin against God. We have to realize and remember that really all sin, all known sin is a spitting in God's face. It's a saying, I reject, I refuse your authority. I'm doing it my way. We have to care enough about our sins to be moved to actually act upon them. Imagine that one day you were inattentive while you were driving. Maybe looking at the phone, turning the radio dial, and you hit someone and you nearly killed them. But this accident didn't cause their death, yet many multiples of bones were broken, including in their face, and the doctors could, could save their life and reconstruct, but only partially and only their face, their face could only be repaired so much so that now they have a highly disfigured face so that for the rest of their lives it's uncomfortable for others to even look them in the face. But imagine as, as well, though being a Christian, you've developed a relationship with this person, you've sought to try to help them emotionally through their recovery. Now that they're better but still disfigured, they ask you, to please always remember them in prayer. Please remember me. Please pray for me often. Well, what would true repentance and, and true brokenness involve in that situation? The easier path would be to try your best not even to think about that person because it makes you feel so bad about what happened, what's, how, you, how your action has radically altered their life the easier path would be to try to forget their disfigured faith, to try to remember it as seldom as possible. But the godly reaction, the response of humility, the way of repentance would be to put their photo right there on your mirror and maybe another one in your car and to let the sight of it go ahead and pain you so that it always causes you to pray for them and to remember them and to minister to them and for them through prayer. It's kind of a dramatic example, but we need to welcome that kind of pain for our sin. We need to humble ourselves about our sin and, and let it break us, let it undo us. People who study people, like, like how people think, how our emotions work, and how we change, they have recognized that we do not change unless... The pain of staying in our current situation outweighs the pain of changing. Change is hard. It's painful. They've said we do not change unless the pain of staying how we are in our current situation, unless that pain is greater to us than the pain of, of changing. That's how hard change is. And so we need to leverage the pain of sin to drive us to daily repenting. We need to go deep with it. We need to humbly admit, I am wrong. Not just my action was wrong, but I am wrong. 
My heart still isn't quite right. Jesus also said, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, slander, etc. A long list. But this is so hard, isn't it? Because of our natural tendency to flee from pain. There's also a massive spiritual battle involved. This is another reason it's so hard. There's this massive spiritual battle raging anytime that we even think about repenting. Because Satan knows how key, how critical it is to our growing in our faith and becoming more like Christ. If you want to look them up sometime, you can look at Ephesians chapter 6, especially around verse 11, as well as Galatians 5.17 about this spiritual battle. So it's hard and there's a raging battle, but friends, here's some good news. We can take heart because Jesus overcame the world. And that includes sin. Jesus has overcome the world. He has knocked Satan out of his position of power. He's no longer master in our lives. Christ has overcome the world and in him, we too overcome it. And then we can also be encouraged by remembering the resurrection side of the pain, the post-humility side, that we are always lifted up by God after we go low. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. He will exalt you. So strategy number two, be humble by your sin. Let God undo you by His Holy Spirit. Don't just move on quick. Don't just forget about it. Be humbled by your sin because it's only as we become deeply dissatisfied with our current situation that change in our lives is really going to happen. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone and it remains unchanged. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then the plant will grow up and have fruitfulness. Words of our Lord Jesus in John 12, 24. We've got to die to ourselves so much so that our sin deeply humbles us if we're going to bear fruit. You might also read Psalm 51 sometime for a great example of deep repentance and true humility on King David's part. Psalm 51. And number three, a third practice for growing in, in daily repentance is to involve others. Involve others. Bring all of this that I've just been discussing into our interactions with others, which is probably where 80 to 90% of our sin happens, right? In our interactions with, with those around us, especially those who are close to us. Involve others. So first of all, we can ask ourselves, do I allow other people's comments and even their, their criticisms, their suggestions, but also even their criticisms to operate as one of God's tools to humble me and to refine me? Will I receive their comments as God's scalpel as He works heart surgery in my life? How do you receive reactions, feedback, even criticism from others? How often are you humble enough to learn from those comments? Even if they're 90% off base, can you ask yourself, what is the 10% that is on the mark or the 2% 
or the 1%? Where's the part that I can truly learn from so that I can grow? That's difficult because we're so self-centered, so self-justifying, so proud, so self-absorbed, so self-pitying that it's hard to receive such, such comments, such surgery work by the Holy Spirit in our lives. But to go a little deeper with that, in our day-to-day interactions, particularly if there's a conflict with someone, here's what our sinful nature almost always immediately does. It immediately operates in 3D mode. The proud heart dismisses, denies, and defends. So if someone challenges us or complains or is offended about something we did, our sinful nature first dismisses it. Hey, there was no problem here, really. You just misunderstood. You're, you're interpreting it the wrong way. Dismiss it. Or I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have been that bad. It wasn't, it wasn't me. Or, yeah, it must have been you. But then it also denies the consequences of what our action actually did. Okay, yeah, I guess I, I did that wrong, but why are you so offended? We try to convince them that they weren't really hurt by us, or not very badly, as ridiculous as that is, as if we can control how their heart responds. So denying what actually happened, dismissing, denying, and then thirdly, we often defend our actions by marshalling arguments to try to excuse what we did. We justify it to try to make it seem right or okay and so that we don't have to deal with it. We just want to move on. Oh, forget about it. It wasn't, I didn't do anything wrong. So in our pride, we dismiss and we deny and or we defend. But that 3D needs to change to 3I. So here's the three I's that the repentant heart acts under. First is invite. The first action really should be an inviting of the Holy Spirit to work in this situation. Inviting Him to help you, to humble you. Right in that moment, asking Him to soften your heart. Invite Him to make something good come out of the bad that just happened. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you in prayer. Number two is look for insight. It's the second I is insight. Look for and be open for insight about your heart. What light can this conflict or this occasion shine on your heart? What insight can it shed on the conditions and machinations of of your deeper desires? Ask the person involved to help you with this. Because we can often be so blind to our own sins. So invite the Holy Spirit to work. Ask for insight. And then finally, ask about the impact of your sin. And this is the hardest one. Ask about the impact. How did, how did that affect you? Instead of quickly asking for forgiveness, which can often short-circuit the whole repentance process, ask the person you hurt or offended to elaborate, to explain why they were offended or how they were hurt, how your action made them feel. Gently ask them to open up and share the full impact that your action had on them. 
Because again, you want to be broken. You want to be humbled. You want to be saddened by your sin. You want to feel its impact so that it does hurt, which will motivate you to change the root causes behind it. Friends, if we would be willing to stare deeply into the now deformed face of the person that you've damaged through your sin, it can help a lot. So instead of dismiss, deny, and defend, it's invite the Holy Spirit to work. Ask for insight. Invite insight and then learn about the impact. Some other ways to involve others in our growing in repentance is to develop, develop purposeful accountability relationships with others where you can ask them to be asking you regularly how you're doing in working through the heart issues that are behind your most common sins. So develop accountability partnerships. And then in those and in other close relationships, dare to ask others where you see that you might have sinful habits or patterns. I guarantee you those who know you well won't have to think long or hard to identify a sinful habit or pattern or two in your life. And then there's one other way uh, to involve others. This is particularly when we get stuck with a particular sin or heart issue that we're trying to get out of, trying to escape from. Christian counseling can be very, very helpful, very useful. Friends, there's no shame in turning to an expert on change if you want to change and become more like Christ. It just makes a ton of sense. So then the three big ways to grow in our daily repenting is to understand our sin, to be humbled by it, and to involve others. So I want to begin to wrap things up now with a comparison list that lays out some good ways versus some bad ways of repenting. A little bit of a review. Here's some things we say to ourselves when we are practicing either worldly sorrow or worldly repentance versus when we're practicing godly sorrow, godly repentance. Worldly repentance says, I'm only sorry for what I do. Godly repentance says, I'm also sorry for who I am. Worldly repentance says, I have an explanation. Godly repentance says, I am sick of my explanations. Worldly repentance says, I confess after I sin. And that's not a bad thing. But godly repentance says, I am continually repentant because of my many sins. Worldly repentance says, I can't believe I'm like that. Let's not talk about it anymore. And godly repentance says, I can believe I'm like that. I think we need to talk about it more. Worldly repentance says, I want a quick resolution, so would you please get off my back? Godly repentance says, I want a deeper insight, so I need you to hang in there with me. Worldly repentance says, I'm sorry I got found out. 
godly repentance says, I'm thankful that you brought this to my attention. Two more. Worldly repentance says, I'm sorry I offended you. Whereas godly repentance says, I'm sorry my sinful heart is so offensive. One more. Godly, uh, worldly repentance says, I repent by trying to do it right the next time. It's self-justifying, right? It's proud. Godly repentance says, I repent that I don't have my own righteousness. And I trust Christ to be my righteousness instead. I understand and apply the gospel. Tim Keller wrote, in religion or Phariseeism, within the context of what he's, what he's describing, in religion, the purpose of repentance is to keep God happy so he will continue to bless you and answer your prayers. This means that religious or Pharisaic repentance is selfish, self-righteous, and bitter all the way to the bottom. In the gospel, however, he writes, the purpose of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ. To repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ. Friends, repentance is for drawing nearer and nearer to our Redeemer. It is for our abundant joy. And I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, to seek, to seek that joy. Seek that abundant life of joyful fellowship with God and with others. To seek that abundant life that we were made for. And then I also want to remind you that the reason that our confessing our sins, the first part of repentance, the reason that it accomplishes anything is because of all that our Savior has already accomplished on our behalf of all that he has already done for us, which we're going to be celebrating shortly here at the Lord's table. He went so low all the way through rejection and mocking and ridicule and even being cut off from God the Father while he hung on the cross and then tasting the grave so that we could go so high as to be forgiven and restored and ultimately also exalted along with Him. Friends, it was at great, great cost that He purchased our redemption and our restored fellowship with Him and then gave us His Spirit so that we could become more like Him and be His instruments for bringing others into fellowship with Him. What a generous and most gracious Savior we serve. John Calvin wrote, The Christian life is a race of repentance. It's a marathon of repentance. So will you, brothers and sisters, run the race this year in 2023, or will you sit on the sidelines and miss out on the abundance of blessings? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, where you have opened up parts of our heart and where you have worked, oh Lord, help us to, to stay there with you.
not to run away from the pain, not to run away from the grueling effort of taking honest looks at not just sins, but our sinful attitudes, the idols that are hidden often deep down within our hearts. Oh Lord, would you keep us from passing along, moving on from your ministry to us just now. But instead, would you give us the grace? Would you wrap your arms of love around us to help us, to encourage us, to, Lord, to help us to know how much you love us and that you are working on our hearts because you desire our happiness. Thank you that you love us and that you desire deep, deep fellowship with us. We know that a part of that is sanctification. It's growing in holiness. It's toppling our idols. It's dying to our sins and our old ways so that we can become more like Christ and allow less and less things into our lives that, that put up barriers to our deep and intimate fellowship with you. Lord, also we pray that as you cleanse our hearts and our lives, we would also then be more and more of a blessing to those around us and also shining the light of Christ so much more brightly to all those around us so they would be curious and highly interested to know how it is that we can change and how it is that we can live lives that are so different from the lives of the world around us. Lord, do this for your great glory and honor in our lives and in your church. And we thank you for hearing our prayers. And we ask all this in in Christ's most precious name. Amen.